Bokertov, we are in Sefer Yehoshua, chapter 15. And yesterday we were discussing how Kalev goes up to Yehoshua and he tells Yehoshua, uh, I was the one who went and was promised this land. And because I, I spoke of what was in my heart about, about the land back in the day. And now I'm 85 years old, from which we learned how, exactly how many years we were in battle, conquering the land. I'm, I was, I'm 85 years, and I'm as strong as I am now as I was then. I have not weakened at all. And then, um, so Yoshua gives him the portion. And now we're going to see the details of Kalev conquering that portion, how he did it. The portion that he conquered seems to have already been conquered, or the, the conquering has already been told to us earlier. But that time it was just said because it was in the context of talking about all of what was conquered. Now it's in the context of the division of the land. So we, now we want to zero in on exactly how it was conquered. And it was done via Kalev and his future son-in-law, Otniel ben Kenaz. Okay? Pasuk Yud Gimel of the 15th chapter. Ul-Kalev ben Yifunen atan chalek v'toch b'nei Yehuda el-pi Adonai li-Yoshua. And to Kalev ben Yifunen... Uh, was given a a portion amongst the children of Israel based on what God commanded to Yoshua at Kiryat Arba, the city of the giant called Arba. His name was Arba. Aviha Anak, the father of the giants, he Hebron, which was the city called Hebron to us. And Kalev conquered there the three sons of the of the giants at Sheshai. Three giants were Sheshai, Achiman, and Talmai, and they're famous because we know about them in Parashat Shelach as well. I think they come up. Uh, they come up in the Torah. So we know that Hebron was inhabited by three giants, Sheshai, Achiman, and Talmai, and there Kalev conquered them. And now from there, after conquering Hebron, he goes to the people of Devir. Devir apparently is a sister city to Hebron. And beforehand, Devir was called Kiryat Sefer, the city of the book. The city of the book. And Kalev says, Whoever strikes Kiryat Sefer and conquers it, I will give him my daughter Achsa as a wife. And uh, Othniel ben Kenaz, brother of Kalev, conquered it. So Kalev gave him Achsa, his daughter, as a wife. Married he, he married. She married his Amo. Okay, Her so Amor? that that that, we, that text hasn't told us that, but but you read it somewhere. You said um, brother. You said brother. Oh, yeah? brother of Kalev. Oh shoot, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, correct, correct. It does tell us that. Um, the, the, the Midrash goes into the details of how they're brothers. So it wasn't his brother. It's allowed? No, I don't know. It's, it was different. It was, a di- it was different parents. It was like stepbrothers of some sort. It was uh, because, because it says, we know Kalev is Kalev ben Yifune. But then who's Otniel? Ben Kenan. Ben Kenan. So what does Achi mean? What does the brother mean? It could be brother in arms, could be a different type of brother. No, I don't think it's brother in arms. I think the, the Midrash says it's, it's stepbrother. It's that Kalev's mother was a woman who was married to uh, Yefune. Yefune died. She remarried a man named Kenaz, and she had Otniel. Okay, so they were half brothers. Now, 
Is a, is a man allowed to marry his niece? Yes, he is. Not his niece. His step niece. Yeah. He is. Even if it's a real niece, he's allowed to. only die. I'm not sure, to be honest. I thought this was allowed. Okay. I don't know what gives him his daughter as a wife. And it was. It could also be brother in arms, by the way. That's another way of understanding it. See if anybody says that. No, no, I'm saying, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, it was his brother from his mother. Hey, that's interesting. Apparently earlier, look at Pasuk Yudalit Pasuk Vav. Perak Yudalit Pasuk Vav. You see what's going on there? It's describing Kalev as a Kenizi. And we know Otniel is a son of Kenaz. It could be that they had the same family. It was the same like grandfather or something. They were cousins. And it's describing him as his brother because they were related. Okay, we figured that one out. Um, now she comes... She comes to the land of Devir, which her new found, which her new husband has just conquered, and she asks her husband Otniel to ask from the father a better portion of land, Sadeh. But it's He refuses, so she goes and jumps off of her donkey in front of her father, and then her father sees that she's angry. So Vayomer Lachalev Malach, and she says, "What do you want?" Matomer, and she says, "Tenali v'racha ki eretz hanegev netatani." Please give me Biracha because you've given me desert land in the south. And please give me some springs of water. And she gave and he gave her, Kalev gives his daughter, Gulot Iliot and Gulot Tachtiot, the northern springs and the southern springs. Very cryptic story. Um, so what's going on here? Kalev conquers Hebron, he conquers Shashai, Achiman, and Talmai. He, he, there's a city of Devira, it was also called Kiryat Sefer. He says, who can conquer this city? Uh, Otniel, from the same family of Kenaz, which we know Kalev is also part of, he steps up and he says, I'll do it. He says, okay, if you do it, you get my daughter Aksa as a wife. He conquers it. Otniel conquers it. And then, um, and then Aksa goes to Otniel and says, could you please ask my father for a better piece of land? What is this city of Devir? There's no, there's no water in it. Give us, get us a field. What, what, we're just going to use desert land? So then he says, he's like embarrassed. So she goes, she kind of makes a scene in front of her father and she says, and, and the father says, what's up? What's going on? And she says, please give me a field because you're giving me desert land. What am I going to do with it? So he gives her, he adds to her portion and he gives her the upper springs and the lower springs. What does mean? He adds to her portion from who? Somebody else is losing. No, maybe, maybe it was from his own portion. So the Midrash goes to town on this. The Midrash says that this is all a metaphor. All of it is a metaphor. What's the metaphor? Remember we call the city Kiryat Sefer? So, Shem Devir Lefanim Kiryat Sefer. The name of Devir was the city of the book. So the Midrash says, what are we referring to here when we say the city of the book? 
So Mirosh says that when Moshe, when we were mourning for Moshe during the 30 days of mourning after Moshe's death, 1,700 halachot were forgotten. 1,700 halachot that we had learned from Moshe were forgotten and we did not know. We did not have Moshe to ask of him again. And then Kalev goes and he says, whoever could figure out those 1,700 halachot will, will get my daughter. Whoever could conquer the city of the book Meaning, whoever could conquer and figure out those 1,700 halachot, he will be the one who gets my daughter. Okay, I'm going to read it here. Rather, the sages explain a total of 1,700 laws and teachings were forgotten during the period of mourning from Moshe. When Kalev spoke of the city of the book, he was alluding to these laws, which he longed to have restored. The scholar great enough to bring this forgotten Torah back to the people would be worthy of Kalev's daughter. Okay, so question. Wait. There's more. And Caleb's daughter, who was herself a woman of exceptional caliber, was proud to be the wife of a man who had that degree of Torah knowledge. Although the actual teachings had been forgotten, Otniel's wisdom was so profound that he was able to deduce them from the text of the Torah and the related laws that were still known. And then, why does, why does then uh, Aksa ask for the, for the water? That's where it's weird. If she knows how of an accomplishment is why she here so it continues homiletically she was not motivated by economic considerations it wasn't that she wanted water and, and wealth knowing Otniel's greatness in Torah indeed he was to be Joshua's successor as a national leader she felt that without a productive fertile property he would be prevented from exerting proper spiritual leadership meaning she wanted him to have a parnasah so he can go and sit down and learn that to me is a major anachronism you know what anachronism is? Is when you use your modern day, when you use like, you, when, you, when you try to apply things that are from one generation to the wrong generation. So basically the Midrash, or the way the art scroll is, is describing it is, is he was sitting and learning, and he was a great, great study, a student of the Torah, and he was able to figure out all of these 1700 laws. He conquered the city of the book, but he couldn't afford to keep doing it because he was a great time in Chacham, so she said, I want to support him. I want him to somehow be supported so he can grow in his learning, let's say. So then she asked for the springs of the north and the springs of the south. Well, I say it's a very, uh, very, very, very cryptic story. Is this the wrong way to go about it? Is it the wrong way? No, it's Midrash. No, I'm, I'm saying this thought process. like. I, I, look, to me, it's a little bit unconvincing. I wouldn't bet money on it that this yeah. is what's going on. Um, you know, the, the way to test if how much you really believe something is how much money would you bet on it. Because when you put money on the line, the, the truth comes out. So would you, put, would you bet a lot of money that this is what the text means? Probably not. But I think, I, think it's in, I think there's a very, very deep message in the Midrash that we're missing. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what this whole story is about. I don't know why, it's, why we have to know about this. Why we have to know about Aqsa's uh, request for, for fertile, fertile land. I don't know any of that, what it means. But that's what it's good to know it because one day we will know what it means. Now the next piece of the text goes through Yehuda's southern cities, the lowland, the mountain region, and the wilderness of Yehuda. I'm going to quickly read it and then we're going to conclude. Um, let's see. <laughs> Now, 
אמם ושמע ומולדה, וחצר גדה, וחשמון ובית פלט, וחצר שועל ובאר שבע וביזיותיה, בעלה בעיים ועצם, ואל תולד וכסיל וחורמה, וצקלג ומדמנה, וסנסנה, ולבעות ושילחים ועין ורימון, כל ערים עשרים ותשע וחסרים. You remember all this? It's good to memorize all of them. אוקיי. בשפלה אשתאול וצורעה ואשנה, וזנוח ועין גנים תפוח והעינם, ירמות ועדולם, סוחו ועזקה, ושעריים ועתידיים, והגדרה וגדרותיים, ערים ארבע עשרה וחצריהן. Those remember also. Yeah, these are... Just make sure to know how many cities, because... Sinan v'chadasha u'migdalgad, v'dil'an v'hamitzve v'yokt'el, לחיש ובוצקת ועגלון, וחבון ולחמס וחיטליש. וגדרות בית דגון ונעמה ומקדה, ערים שש עשרה וחצריהן. לבנה ועתר ועשן, that's interesting, עתר and עשן are two cities. עתר is actually another word for עשן. So, it's an Aramaic word. So it's interesting, it's two cities, one was called smoke and the other one was called smoke in Aramaic. Okay, whatever, I'm just... Um, ויפתח ואשנה ונציב, וקעילה ואכזיב ומרשה, ערים תשע וחצריהן, עקרון ובנותיה וחצריה, מעקרון וימה כל אשר על יד אשדוד וחצריהן, אשדוד בנותיה וחצריה, עזה בנותיה וחצריה, נעל נחל מצרים, עד נחל מצרים, והים הגדול וגבול, ובהר שמיר ויתיר וסוחו, ודנה וקריית צנה היא דביר, וענה ואשתמו, וענים וגושן וחולון וגילו, ערים אחת עשרה וחצריהן, ערב ודומה ואשען וינום ובית תפוח ואפקה וחומתה וקריית ארבע היא חברון וציאור, ערים תשע וחצריהן, מעון, כרמל ועזיף ויוטה ויזרעאל ויוק דעם וזנוח הקין, גבעה ותמנה, ערים עשר וחצריהן, חלחול בית צור וגדור ומערת ובית ענות ואל תיקון, ערים שש וחצריהן קריית בעל היא קריית יערים, והרבה ערים שתיים וחצריהן. במדבר בית הערבה, מדין וסככה, והנבשן, ועיר המלח, ועין גדי, ערים שש וחצריהן. ואת היבוסי, יושבי ירושלים, לא יאכלו בני יהודה לא ראשם. But the Yibusites that were in Yerushalayim, the people, the children of Yehuda could not conquer them. וישב היבוסי את בני יהודה בירושלים עד היום הזה, and the Yibusi people dwelled in Yerushalayim until this very day. Um, when is this very day? Keep saying that. Like, at the time this was written, or while they were question. putting people in? Because so that very the, day ended at some point. Right. If this, is, if this is Yehoshua writing it, it should be at the time of Yehoshua. At the end of his life, let's say. By the end of his life. It's a very good question, though. Let's see. Uh, we do see the later on when David wants to take the land of the Yibusi, he actually has to buy it from a Yibusi man named Arabna. So the Yibusi, the fact that they, they control Yerushalayim, obviously is going to be very important later on. Uh, now, next week, we continue in Yosef's territories. We're going to bump into Tzilofchad's daughters again. And then Ephraim and Menashe are going to start complaining about their land. And then we're going to go through the rest of the tribes. And then...
we're almost done. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen v'amen.